You know things, I know some too. Sit right down, the will explain them to you. If there's a thing you want to explain, these two feminists can entertain. Nerdy stuff, sexy stuff, so much to know. Tune in for the Femsplain Show. Femsplain! Hello, listeners! Hi, listeners! Woo! That... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is Avalon! Yeah. And that <laughs> mysterious cloaked figure is Diana! Oh, welcome to Femsplain. Femsplained is uh-huh. a girls-only clubhouse podcast where two queer femme humans get to nerd out over something that they feel passionate about. But that doesn't mean that people of every gender, non-gender, can't listen, laugh, and learn. <laughs> what is that horrible thing on everybody's bathroom wall? Uh, live, laugh, learn, or love. some it's live, laugh, shit love. like that? It doesn't mean that people of every gender and non-gender can't live, laugh, and love with us. <laughs> But we feel like it's important to have these powerful, femme-led, candid conversations about our experiences in nerd culture. So we're making space to do that. Yeah. Um, last week, we took a little bit of a break from the format, and we instead did a live game of Honey Heist mm. uh, with the girls from the Damsels of Dorkington or from the Dork Pridecast podcast. Uh, it was super fun and amazing, and you can listen to it or watch it on their YouTube page or listen on our podcast page, and it was wicked fun. It was so much fun, and it has really given me the role-playing and D&D bug like, since it happened, so I'm excited about life. Yeah. But we're not doing that this week. This week, uh, it is Diana's <laughs> turn to explain something to me, uh, but in keeping with our traditional conservative values... Um, we're going to let Francis, the mansplainer, introduce the topic. So one minute on the clock, Francis. In a mansplain minute, ooh, everything's explained. In a mansplain minute, ooh, tell the ladies what to say. In a mansplain minute. All right, putting one minute on the man watch and go. Critical Role. Never seen it. Um, what I have been told is that it's like a Twitch stream of a D&D game with some voice actors from various things like Skyrim. Um, and that from that Twitch stream, there's also a podcast. And I guess my thoughts on the matter, I don't know. Everyone's got a podcast, right? Like every person, all your friends have podcasts. They're always trying to get you to listen to their podcast because they think they're funny, even though they're not actually that funny. And the same goes for Twitch streams. I would rather play video games than watch video games. Where does the ego come from? Where, like, you think that your actions are so interesting on even the minute scale that someone should tune in to listen to or watch you do something that you did. On an unrelated note, if anybody would like to watch my personal vlog, I do have a YouTube channel, That Thing I Did, where I record some of my various exploits, hikes I go on, trips I take, just stuff that happens to me. That's your Mansplain Minute. I feel 100% positive that Francis did a phenomenal job at accurately and succinctly describing I feel our topic for this 100% week. positive that he has no idea what it is. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, that topic is 
Critical Role. Critical Role. Crit Role. Uh, I'm so excited to talk about this topic because really I'm just a big giant fangirl and I spend too much time reading about it, watching it, looking at art about it, and just daydreaming about it in general. So this is another massively fangirly topic for me. Yeah, well, I, I pretty much exclusively want fangirly topics from you because those are the ones I want to listen to you get excited about. Um, <laughs> so is this, I've heard of Critical Role and I see it most places that are nerd or role play affiliated. Is this that show with Vin Diesel? No. All right. So d and is cool now, guys. Yay. Uh, yay. And that means girls can it's participate. It's happened. We did it. <laughs> yeah. uh, so d and is cool now. Vin Diesel plays The Rock. Dwayne The Rock Johnson plays, uh, what's her name? Satine Phoenix uh, is a f- fucking baller DM. Um, there's a ton of really awesome people from different parts of pop culture that are, are playing and being open about their super interest in it. Critical Role, however, a lot of the people on that are not necessarily recognizable faces because they're all very, very well-accomplished voice actors. The exception to that being Ashley Johnson, who is like a character actress that you've seen uh, in a lot of like, she's been in a, all, every like Joss Whedon-y thing that you've seen. Mm-hmm. She's been all over like the Sci-Fi Network. Um, she has a show that she is the lead in called Blind Spot right now. So she does a lot of TV and movie character acting. But the rest of them are all voice actors. So before Critical Role, their faces were not really recognizable, um, but their voices definitely are. Hmm. Okay. And how many are there? Okay. So if Matt Mercer, Ashley Johnson, Marisha Ray, Laura Bailey, Liam O'Brien. Sam Regal, Talison Jaffe, and Travis Willingham. Uh, so yeah, so it's eight all together, including the DM. That's a lot of people to manage at a table from what I've been told about tables. Yeah, well, so Matt Mercer's insane. I don't, I've never seen anything like his style of, of game running. He's so good at it. Uh, it's, it's a little bit scary. Uh, normally running a table of seven people or even six. I mean, six is like what I consider my maximum when I'm running a game. So to consistently do that and to do it so well is is bonkers. And this is a podcast or a TV show? Um, It's a Twitch show, but then, you know, they they put it up on YouTube and they put it up on a podcast as well afterwards. Oh. Um, but it is live. You can you can watch it live every week and it's still going, which is crazy to me. Uh, I really did not think they were going to be able to to rally for a season 2 uh, after a 5 year long campaign oh my that God. they played. Yeah. I had no idea oh. it was that long. Well, uh, so they had played the the season one has 115 episodes that they played uh, live on Twitch and are recorded on their podcast, but those 115 episodes pick up two years after they had already started the, this campaign. This was like their private campaign that they had been playing together as just a group of friends. Oh, yeah, and uh, and then they had the idea to start filming it. Um, 
which actually had kind of started because Ashley Johnson had made like sort of a just like fangirling about their own fun thing, like made a little video trailer about like a compilation of fun moments from their game nights yeah. uh, and had posted it on, I think at the time it was, um, what's dead now? Vine. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and like they had posted a bunch of these videos on Vine and like all these silly moments and really like emotional moments and things and it, it kind of sparked the idea to do a show, which is really cool. Did you watch it and from it, the beginning? I'm curious how coming in on it a year in worked for the viewers. I, I, I heard about it. So I found out about it um, about... I found out about Critical Role about like nine or ten months ago mm. when I had first moved to Queens and I was very lonely and bored all the time uh, and I needed something to fill the silence and <laughs> I started from the beginning on uh, Critical Role. A lot of people had recommended it to me, um, but I started from the beginning and I and I and by that time, I mean... I started when there were like 90 something episodes and I flew through this series like I consumed it. I I had I used the podcast to listen to it on road trips, but when I was home, I was watching it like the old episodes on YouTube. I was hooked from I think like the second episode that I watched. I was like completely invested. I mean, they they play their characters with the same like dedication as as they would any role in a in a show or a movie that they were cast in, yeah. Uh, so it's easy to draw you in. I don't question the appeal, but I mean, so I, I can binge with the best of them. However, we're not talking about <laughs> ninety twenty minute episodes or ninety hour long episodes. We're talking about ninety like three to four hour episodes. <laughs> Yeah, and I feel worried sick. about how quickly you consumed it. Yeah, it was not healthy, <laughs> definitely. Uh, it was not healthy, uh, but I did it anyway. I was just determined to be caught up. But then I didn't, you know, uh, I didn't watch the the finale, like the final episode of that campaign in time. Like I didn't, I didn't catch up in time. So I had watched it. They took a break over the winter, and I caught up during that time and then watched the finale like avoiding the spoilers for that finale were horrible Uh, (laughs) I could not be on the internet um and then I watched it and I uh I cried for three hours um yeah it was horrible all right so not a happy ending (laughs) I'm I can infer (laughs) Yeah, it was just a very deeply emotional ending, and that's all I'm going to say, because I'm going to make you watch it somehow. Did it end intentionally, or did it end because everyone needed it to the, the story? It was very clear that Matt Mercer had an an arc ending planned ahead of <gasps> Good time. Good for him, it was yeah. Super, so it's not just yeah, that like, everybody yeah. got killed in a dungeon. No, <laughs> no. Nobody, he didn't have to unleash 76 bugbears on exactly. everyone. All right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So you were saying that Matt Mercer's playing style is very unique, uh, besides the fact that he's just like really good at it. And I'm just wondering what it is that's unique about it. It's it's his world building. His world building is. Um, I I mean I homebrew my world states, 
and I'm pennies on the dollar. My worlds are still relatively small, but he he created this world for the first campaign, Taldore, that was advanced enough that he was able to release a, a canon Dungeons and Dragons like book that took place and like set up that world. Um, really? As a potential place you could play, yeah. Cool. Uh, so his world building skills are are where his uh, where it starts, and then after that, it's his. I mean, it's his acting ability. His NPCs are so dynamic, and his voices are so realistic. You get upset or engaged with his like little side characters that mm-hmm. suddenly you you can't. You can't stand to hear anything bad happen to, or oh, or yeah. that you hate so much you want them to die. <laughs> and like, yeah. I had somebody request that we define NPC. <laughs> oh yeah, non-player character or non-playable character. It's just any character in a video game or in a tabletop game that the players are not in control of. Okay. Thank you. That's it. Sorry to interrupt. I just want to back You're that up. Welcome. That's the lesson for the day. I also am going to interrupt again and say we're both wearing gray jersey shirts with a cute nerd thing on it. Oh shit! What? Yeah, we you are. got a little group, and oh, I got. Oh, you're wearing Darth Vader doing. What is he he's doing? A cat. <laughs> oh, it's Darth Vader cat. Of course. Yeah. Oh god, right. I love it. I'm wearing a Groot. I'm wearing a baby. A baby Groot. Groot. Not just any group. Baby Groot. Okay. <laughs> We're back. Uh, <laughs> I just liked it. I felt like we... I, yeah. I did too. I love it. Um, I also, I didn't really dress up for this episode except for having my cloak on for 30 seconds um, because it makes me feel like uh, Vexalia having no sleeves, which is uh, a very Marisha Ray-ish thing to do. Is uh, Yeah, see, all of that totally went over my head. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Marisha uh, hates sleeves so much, and it's talked about a lot on the show because, like, it, fans will like often give them, like, send them presents and stuff like that. Yeah. And whenever someone sends in like T-shirts for them, they're all like, "Oh, Marisha's gonna butcher this T-shirt. She's gonna cut the sleeves off." Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that about her. Yeah. Does she have guns? Kinda. Right. Yeah. Like like sleek guns. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. She's a little like Pilates guns. Yeah. Pilates guns. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and she is one of the voice actors. Um, and is yes, she the she one is. who is married to the DM or no? Yeah, yeah, they got married like just just earlier this year. Oh, uh, yeah, during the winter time. I mean, it's it. They're adorable. Were they? It's real cute. Did they meet and fall in love playing D and D? I am gonna say yes because I want. I that want to that be so true. badly. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I do, I will say that this all started in a really cute way. So they're all like just naturally, (laughs) bless you. They're all just best friends, which is adorable. Mm -hmm. And two of them, Laura Bailey uh, and Liam Mm O'Brien, are extremely close and they have the same birthday. And this game started at their birthday party. Uh, The the first game that they were uh, playing started on their birthday party. And because it was their, you know, collective birthday, that's why they decided to play twins uh, in the first campaign and led to, like, a really cool uh, and interesting dynamic 
for for the whole party because they were like inseparable, but also they are in real life, which is very cute. Oh, I like that. I want to know. Yeah. I, so, it, I mean, you say they're recognizable voice actors, but can you think of things they've voice acted? If yeah, you've played Skyrim. Yes. Right. They're all over Skyrim. Oh. Uh, they're all over Dishonored. Oh. Uh, uh, Laura Bailey does a lot of cartoons, so like a lot of kids' cartoons and things like that. Oh. Um, okay. They are, oh, they were just, what game just came out? Uh, Far Cry. Uh, Far Cry, yeah. yeah, they're all in that. Like, oh, yeah, okay. there's, they're cool. all over a lot of video games and some cartoons scattered about, mostly Laura Bailey. She does a lot of, a lot of cartoons. Okay, excellent. And there are eight of them. So I'm hearing one, two. So you've talked about three women. So three out of eight of the players are girls. Yes. Uh, with with Ashley Johnson kind of being a sometimes here, sometimes not player because she has to film in uh, New York and they are based in California. Oh, so okay. she uh, doesn't always get to be there. Um, although she's been there quite a lot uh, in the last couple of episodes. I'm really happy about it. What time does this air for you? It for me yeah. it starts at 10 uh, p.m. So <laughs> it's not that bad. I ask because it's been a very weird transition for me moving out to Oregon to f- realize how much of the country revolves around East Coast time. It's it's yeah. really weird and it it typically benefits us because it's earlier in the day. But I didn't realize oh, yeah. how mm-hmm. East Coast centric all television was. I guess I assumed I don't know what I assumed. A fuck ton of people live in California, and <laughs> it's just weird to me yeah. that everything still yeah, well, revolves they're based around in New California. York. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I was just excited that yeah. you got to experience someone else's time zone limitations, the way that I experience oh, all the yeah. New York based time zone stuff. And it's really funny because sometimes Ashley Johnson will Skype in to play with them and they'll all have that moment like towards the end of game where they're like, oh shit, Ashley, isn't it like two o'clock in the morning? And she's like, it's fine. Keep going. Yeah. That's like us when we record at night. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Okay. So I like it. It's good. There's, would you recommend since there are. There's one very long, finite campaign and one new-ish ongoing campaign. If somebody was interested in listening to Critical Role or watching it, how would you recommend they approach it? Ugh, I I hate it because I love the first campaign so, so much. I want to watch it right now, but I think it's really a lot more fun to be, like, in on it uh, as it's happening because... I did binge watch the first season too late and now I'm caught up and watching this second season as it's coming out and I'm having a lot more fun with that because I'm not being spoiled for anything. Um, I get to engage with the chat when it's happening, when I get to watch it live and you're just getting to be surprised by all of these things. I had a lot of stuff spoiled for me for season one um, just by the sheer volume of the content out there by the time I got into it. I would say start with season two. It's more likely that you'll be able to catch up and then you can engage with it as it's happening and it's more fun that way. Do you think that it's a good example um, for people who have never played an RPG 
but maybe are interested in playing to like listen to it and get a I, sense of what it's actually like? It absolutely is. So one, they're playing um, a little bit of homebrewed rules, but mostly they're playing straight fifth edition. So if you watch that show, you are getting a pretty decent representation of what the game is actually like. Mm -hmm. They do a lot of like announcing their roles and saying what they're doing. So you do get a little bit of like a spelling out of the game mechanics as you're going, which is also helpful. However, the thing that I will say is not to, especially if you are coming at it as an experience where it might make you want to try DMing for the first time, to not hold yourself to the standard <laughs> of Matt Mercer's DMing and to not think that you have to be Matt Mercer to run a good and fun game of Dungeons and Dragons. And I'm saying that because I struggled with that. Yeah, I bet I would struggle <laughs> when I, with that too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also as a player to not feel like you have to be an expert at, you know, voices and accents and things. That's not necessarily a part of it. You could still play a really dynamic character, a really interesting character without being an expert voice actor. Yeah. Um, so to not hold yourself to a standard that might put so much pressure on you that it would actually dissuade you from playing. These people are professional actors. Uh, that's just the, the fact about it. So that's why, you know, they're so good at these things. And it's perfectly reasonable for you and your group of friends to not be that. Yeah. It doesn't make it any less fun. Doesn't it? <laughs> It doesn't. It doesn't. Trust me. My voices are terrible. They are horrific. I have basically two. Oh, uh, and I'm going to hear them now. <laughs> uh, basically, uh, it's like a squeaky, high-pitched voice for like halflings, gnomes, plants, and <laughs> goblins, uh -huh. and my normal speaking voice. You don't have like a... Um, uh, like a devious one, maybe, or a my yeah, uh, my devious voice is not very good. It it does come out every once in a while. Yeah, you know if if I've had a couple of drinks, like I'll, I'll try an accent here and there, and then I regret it because I can't replicate yeah. it later on when I try to bring that character back. And I'm like, the fuck did they sound like? I don't remember. I'm so bad so, at voices, and I'm agreeing with you empathetically for sure because that's a big yeah. that's a big barrier for me is that I feel pressured to do a voice like in Honey Heist I like felt pressured to and then I just stopped doing it I just that's I hate fine. it oh it makes me very self-conscious it's also okay I think a fun thing when you're not a professional voice actor <laughs> and you're playing a game sort of like with writing vernacular in 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 like a novel uh if you do if you sprinkle it in every once in a while you Everybody else still understands what the voice is supposed to sound like, even if you're not literally writing every word uh, abbreviated in your text. Does that That's, make sense to you at I all? I think I understand what you're trying to say, but it seems like a bad idea. <laughs> <It's> a <laughs> it seems like really <laughs> awkward if most of the time I was talking like this and then I slipped in like a y'all and like, I don't know. Yeah. If you sprinkle in the accent and then slip back into your normal voice, not slipping back and forth between many voices, but like if you are only able to hold it for a little while, yeah. like it's still, it's still fun. I'm just, I guess I'm trying to picture an example of it. 
And I'm struggling because I'm that bad with accents that I can't even think of one. I mean, I'll just say that I do it all the time. Yeah. I'll, st- <laughs> I'll start with a voice and then I'll be like, uh, and then they continue talking. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, but I'm all it. for that solution because I am so bad at accents and I hate it when I'm put on the spot to try to do one. Mm. Yeah. Well, not not everybody does a voice, but some people like change their way of speaking. Okay. Yeah. Um, which I think is equally effective. Yeah, I think that's um, more approachable. With somebody speaking in a slightly more, um, like we have our half-orc who speaks in like sentence fragments a lot and like in doesn't speak uh, at length uh, and really like keeps it at a minimum and that's very in character yeah. uh, for him. And then our dwarven character who, you know, speaks very properly and like mm. uh you know enunciates really over the top and things like it, it they're not using accents but they still are speaking in character I can do that. yeah so it's you don't have to talk with an accent it's not required so what are some of the ways that you have been influenced by matt mercer in your dming oh man so many ways so watching critical role uh, so I had I had run games before, uh, but I had been really timid about running them. I was a little bit afraid to make up my own uh, worlds, to make up my own rules, to to put a lot of effort into my NPCs. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, I don't know if you've had this, but like being too excited about something would make me feel embarrassed, like in, in some ways, like being too into something. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. why I'm here. That's uh, what this podcast yeah. is for. <laughs> That's why we're yeah, here right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but watching him like, and seeing how much more engaged the players at his table were because of what he was giving to them, they were giving it back to him. And watching it made me like kind of say, fuck it. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do exactly what I've always wanted to do with a game of D&D and I'm going to write too much yeah. and I'm going to care too much and I'm going to go uh, ham and it's been working out really really well in our game on Sunday night I had a player's personal quest come up and he was so uh, actually upset in real life that he had to get up and pace <laughs> around the table and I like uh, on one hand I'm sorry mm-hmm. But on the other hand, like, no, I'm not. I'm really glad that I was able to put that much effort in and that it gave him a cool experience. I absolutely agree. I think that's so cool. And I wish that you would tell me what the fuck was going on in that game. But you're always so Uh, secret about it. uh, Okay. All right. So I want to tell you a little bit. Because now now they know a little bit more. Uh, So I'm not afraid of them finding out so they've been they uh, one really cool thing I always have everybody roll trinkets for my games because I wind up using them as plot devices or if I get stuck in writing uh trinkets are always a really cool way to try to shoehorn in something or bring myself back to the the plot and one of uh, one of my players uh had rolled a trinket that's really interesting which is a dead fairy in a in a jar which of many of the trinkets is one of the more interesting ones uh, that you could roll. And another rolled a, a piece of coal that, uh, or actually a, it's a beautiful gemstone 
except to everyone else, because to everyone else it looks like a piece of coal. Mm. Um, and to him it looks like a beautiful gemstone. He was instantly obsessed with that, started showing it to everyone, started doing weird stuff like it, and eventually got so hyped about it that he had it inserted into a sword. Oh, cool. And attuned to a sword. And then he killed a rat, and the rat disappeared. And so the... Um, the, uh, uh, we have another player whose entire backstory was based on the fact that they were sent to this plane from another plane uh, and have amnesia about their history from before they came here. Already, like, I was starting the game with three player characters that were obsessed with other planes of reality or had other planes of reality written into their backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've written them an arc uh, in which... Uh, the walls between the planes uh, they've discovered are not necessarily supposed to be there. People should be able to travel, uh, but something has closed those barriers Mm. ages ago. Um, And they've found these keys that will allow them to travel back and forth. And if they find all of them, they will be able to unlock these doors permanently and uh, allow free travel between the realms particularly between the Fey realm and the one that they're in. Um, I'm going to think those doors were closed for a reason, though. Maybe. <laughs> I, don't, um, I would not want to just... <laughs> what reason would that be? You know, I mean, I can think of a mm-hmm. lot of reasons why mm-hmm. I would not want to go undo that. Interesting. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they've found two of the four keys. Nah. <laughs> uh, they're going to go after the two others. And uh, what I'm really excited about is when they find all four and then go to the Fey Realm because shit's weird there. Yeah. Uh, it's not nice yeah. there. Um, no, it's not. Um, <laughs> it is, it is, however, very fun. Though. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I am actually yeah. crazy jealous that you have a Fey game kind of thing happening. Yeah. Because that's my favorite. Yeah. I I really want to play a game of Changeling. Yes, Uh, me too. (laughs) So basically what I'm doing is I found a way to stick a game of Changeling the Lost inside a game of D&D. I think that sounds perfect. (laughs) I always really wanted to play Changeling, but I don't know. I don't know if the rules are actually broken or if I was just told they were broken. But I really wanted to do Changeling. The rules are... They're fine. They're just what whatever. The story's good yeah. and who cares about the rules? It's a it's a narrative based game. Yeah. But I I well, you also will be present in the Fey realm when they go there. Uh so that's gonna be really exciting. I, this is my most excited uh, face. <laughs> yeah, she's making a really excited face. Uh <laughs> um, Oh I'm so excited. I'm I'm so excited that I'm actually now disappointed that I'm trying to make you write a pirate game for us. Oh, that's fine. The pirate game's already written. I know, but now I want a fey game instead. Bur- um, throw it away. You know, start I'm, again. I'm game. <laughs> I can I can stick another game of Changeling the Lost inside a Pirates of Penzance game. <laughs> that's fine. I don't. Just I don't imagine hate that. Pirates I don't of Penzance go to the fey. <laughs> yeah. You guys stumble upon the hedge as pirates. Can we put a little cats in there too, though? Just. Just to balance it out. Do you think <laughs> that I would write a game for you without cats? No, in I mean it? capital like, C you... cats the musical. 
Well, now I don't know what to say because I made cats a very important part of this game. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but now I think Rumpelteaser has to be a character. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm going to be so upset if no one gets together to play this game and there's a game out there that exists with cats in it for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I mean... My minimum is is three people. Okay. So if all I can get together are you, Francis, and one other person, I will still run this game okay. happily. So we've got we got two out of three. All right. What if Francis plays? I'll ghost ride Francis's <laughs> character. And <laughs> good fucking. I feel luck. really confident oh, really? that I can. Do <laughs> Jesus. That. Yeah. I feel like that would just take a lot of energy. I think I, I would just, anytime I wanted to do anything, I would just roll a die and, and then just do chance it. Yeah. it. <laughs> just do whatever it is. That sounds totally yeah. accurate. I was so excited yeah. with the survey results for like how he traumatized people. It just really tickled what? me. It was mostly it was uh, mostly Jesus Christ, just all of it. Yeah, that's what I put just because I never had any of those Eagle Island experiences with him, yeah. but I do feel personally <laughs> traumatized by Francis. <laughs> I think that so. every answer was, somebody chose every answer was really delighted me. We've got a few yeah. people most traumatized by watching him sharpen his machete on his hand. We've got, yeah. got a lot of people most traumatized by his exposed genitals. Um, yeah. yeah. Tricking Ryan into almost being paralyzed forever. Man. Yeah. I can't wait to go camping. Have I said that? On the I'm podcast? so excited. I'm so, so excited to go camping with you. Uh, if I don't come back, listeners um it was worth it francis the mansplainer <laughs> you know <laughs> you know who to look to yeah. uh for an explanation of my death for sure mm-hmm. um so critical role you're critical recommending awesome. people start with the second season yeah catch up it's 16 episodes in as opposed to 115 it is to, 16. to be caught it's up with 16 the, four hour episodes but it is it's 16 four hour episodes but you can listen to it at work at your desk yeah. when you're pretending to work. Well, if you're a commuter, if you're a commuter, that's, I mean, when I was catching up with the first season, I was living in Queens and working out on Long Island. So I had an hour and a half commute each way to my job. Right. So I was knocking out an episode a day yeah. uh, in in that way. Uh, and then I could watch it at home. So if you're a commuter, uh, this show is actually really easy to catch up on so yeah so can you tell me the difference in experience between watching it and listening to it yeah um the first time that I tried to watch the first episode I actually tried to just listen to the podcast and telling the voices apart I didn't know anything about them prior it was just, it sounded a little too chaotic for me and I got a little confused and I wasn't sure why I was supposed to care about any of them right off the bat. There's a lot that you're missing when you're not watching it. So I would also recommend that you at least watch one or two episodes on the screen before you switch back to the podcast. Once I did that, I, I had not only their voices in, engraved in my head, but like I knew their mannerisms. Like I was familiar with how they gesticulated when they talked and like their emotions and things like that. And it just listening to it, then I could fill in the blanks of what might be missing in the translation from the screen. Mm-hmm. 
And listening to the podcast became much more tolerable after that. Uh, I still prefer to watch it, but it just time-wise, it doesn't always make sense when it's a show this lengthy. But yeah, it, you do lose a little bit. I mean, there's a lot. They get so um, animated uh, as their characters that there's a lot of, of physical acting that also happens oh. in addition to their voice acting. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm yeah. sad because I've been listening um, to it and not watching it. I know, I know. Despite my I know, I did, strict I advice, time. the only time I that's have. gonna be your homework is to watch one episode. Not only am I gonna watch one episode, but I think I'm gonna be able to watch a live episode, and I think I might be able to do it this week. <gasps> yes. Yeah. Oh my God, we will be watching it at the same yeah. time. Seems like a sporting Yay! event that I've been missing out on. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna paint your face. Um, so I, not having seen it, I saw some like just images of it uh, being played and it looks like one of those early 2000s reality poker games because there's so many <laughs> screens happening at once. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Basically that. they have, th- they have, they have three cameras set up, okay. one pointing to one side of the table, one pointing to the other side and one that's on Matt Mercer. Uh, and the camera sort of uh, occasionally will focus on like the person that is speaking uh, at the time in the same way that our like Google Honey Heist game mm. would like focus on whoever was talking. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, you can see everybody at once um, in different screens, which is helpful, especially for reactions to things, which I love, Uh, particularly Travis Willingham, who gets so hyped about plot lines that he will sometimes have to jump up from the table or like punch whoever's next to him. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, he's really cute. Um, In season one, one of my favorite things, besides like just everything about that storyline, there was one ship, in particular, one like relationship that was forming. Um, and it was between the actress that is Travis's real life wife and another player at the ca- at the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their characters fell in love. And Travis was the biggest fan of it out of everyone at the table to the point where like he <laughs> like his face, there's like a collection of of screenshots of like his face during pivotal moments of in their relationship where he like is like slapping his wife on the shoulder like excitedly when something happens (laughs) he uh he he said in an interview that he had to look up the term ship but once he did he was like oh yeah i ship it i do (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so there are two couples just two 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 couples um Marisha and Matt are married. Uh, Travis and Laura Bailey are married and having a, a, a player three on the way. Oh, I'm really excited about it. Uh, um, Sam Regal is married. Liam O'Brien is married uh, to uh, people who I, I don't know. Ashley Johnson is married to their like producer person. Oh, okay. We're one of their, one of their producer people. Um, and, uh, Talison Jaffe is uh, not married, but I think he is just an old god that uh, <laughs> is is actually like either a fey creature or a cryptid or something. He's not 
of this plane of existence. Okay, I have two questions. One, mm-hmm. do they consume alcohol during the game? Uh, everyone except Matt Mercer. He's not allowed because he gets too giggly and he can't take the game seriously. But the rest of them do, do yeah. Do they ever consume too much alcohol? No, no, because they... Uh, I, they only all have like their one drink. Okay. Like they're not like going for refills. It looks like they they kind of because it seems they mean, take it easy. It's it seems like it's hard not to get too drunk during an RPG sometimes. It's really easy to to yeah. do that, but I think being on camera, they they're they professionals about it. Tone okay. it down a little I'm bit, just yeah. Curious. But then in their in their other show where they do like talk machina, where they do like a little recap, they they get a little tipsy. There's a on recap that. show. Yeah, where they do, every week they do like a, a recap with a few people from the cast. It's different each time. And they just like talk about like, did they know this was going to happen? Did, were they hoping this would happen? Stuff, they go over like their characters, like inner thoughts during like certain scenes and things like that. It's really fun, but they do get a little Is it hosted a little wacky. by Chris Hardwick? No, it's hosted by uh, Ashley Johnson's husband person, okay. whose name I forget. Because Chris Hardwick but, hosts, like, all of the other recap shows on TV. Yeah. And I yeah. would really he's like... He's been on the show. He's been a guest on the show. And he's, he's quite funny. Do they have famous guests? Yeah, they do. Totally do. So they have had... They've had... Oh, God. I always say this guy's name wrong. That guy from True Blood who played the werewolf dude. Oh. Um, he's super buff. Yeah. Um, he's from Pittsburgh. They've had... <laughs> what? He's from Pittsburgh. He's, is that, what does that mean? I, I don't know. I just know that to be true because my family's from Pittsburgh and they are always up on who's from Pittsburgh. I like yeah. that actually. Uh, so uh, they've had them. They've had Felicia Day uh, on who, I mean, she she runs Geek and Sundry, uh, which is Channel, the a company that launched the show in the first okay. place. Um, Hold on. So she's sort of a big Tell deal. Tell me what Geek um, and Sundry is and then I want to talk about Felicia Day. So Geek and Sundry is a, it's a collective, I guess, of, of just overall nerd uh, topics, shows, and things. They largely run based on um, their Twitch channel, where they have tons of live shows. Critical Role is only one of them. They have ones that are board game oriented, uh, video game oriented, pop culture oriented, um, and then they... They also have like a YouTube channel where they put out web series uh, through that that are separate. Uh, Felicia Day's The Guild was through Geek and Sundry. And and then they had a couple of other like uh, small time productions. They they worked with Bioware and made a, a Dragon Age uh, web series. Uh, they, they've done a ton of uh, stuff from all different types of nerd how culture. do we get on Geek and Sundry? <laughs> I have looked into it, Avalon, and it looks like we have to move to California. That's that's literally it. You have to move to California. That doesn't make sense. They're all their that's where like all their uh, stuff goes down is in Hollywood. Um, <laughs> they can outsource. <laughs> I well, I mean, I just see no other. I just see no other way. I'll I'll reach out to Felicia. She seems a little yeah co- busy. Call her. Yeah, she procreated recently, and so she seems pretty like busy. She without, did. You know. Ugh, I know. Looks like it takes up a lot of your time. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So I'll I'll ask Felicia. 
Yeah. Tweet at her. Tweet, tweet. <laughs> um, totally tweet. off topic, just because you said that they did a Dragon Age series. I'm so excited that Fortnite has an Avengers Thanos crossover skin package happening what? this week. That's super awesome. Yeah, it is. Don't you wish you were playing Fortnite? Man, I wish I could play Fortnite. I think it's probably going to be for the <laughs> PvP, though, which is not what I want. I like PvE. It's like two separate games, yeah. and they really need to separate those games out from the same Fortnite title. Because you talk to people, and they're like, yeah, I want to play Fortnite, and they always want to play the other game. It's totally different. Ugh, I hate I want to go on missions, collecting things, and building things and fighting zombies, I don't want to play Battle Royale. It's a very different game. Well, that's the thing now. Every video game is is focusing more on these Battle Royale things, even though a lot of their players feel the same way you do and are wanting more effort put into PvE games yeah. or single-player games or um, co-op games. And nope, yeah. Battle Royale... Mm-hmm. It's a bummer. Um, and it's also really hard to get matched with people, in, for me at least, in the um, story mode game. Because yeah. they, they randomly match you with like a, up to four people so that you're doing the mission together. And the rooms are always like empty. Like I'll just be doing it by myself. Because everybody's <laughs> over there playing Battle Royale. <laughs> Makes me so sad. Anyway, <laughs> I'm hoping that the Thanos thing is in the part that I want it to be in. I hope so too. I'll keep my fingers crossed. Yeah. And if not, I'll just I'll talk to them for you. Thank it's you. Fine. All right. So to do list. I'm gonna talk to Felicia. You're gonna talk to the Fortnite crew. I don't know their names. No, it's fine. We're gonna get this all ironed uh-huh. out. It's it's all gonna be fine. You like Felicia Day? I love Why? her. And I am weirdly defensive of her because she gets a lot of hate for simply being a like woman? existing. Yeah. yeah. I think so. Uh she she got I, I mean, so much hatred when she first came on the scene, on the scene as being like a lol gamer girl. Uh, meanwhile, she's had like, I think she's like logged actual years in World of Warcraft. Like she's she's a super dedicated and like obsessive player, but she was treated with such disdain. Uh, when she wasn't being sexualized. So, like, there, she was either being hated or, you know, fetishized by whoever was speaking at the moment. Obviously, now she owns a gaming empire, so uh, screw all of you uh, who criticized her. But, like, um, I do know a lot of people who still knee-jerk reaction is to accuse her of being, like, fake uh, which I am like, why? You know, I. So, <laughs> my completely inaccurate gut reaction to first being aware of Felicia Day on the scene, like pre the guild, was mm-hmm. that it seemed to me that, and I don't think that this has anything to do with her. I think this is probably the scripts that she was given. Um, but it mm-hmm. seemed to me that I was being served an alternative option to a fetishized girl, which was like an infantilized girl. And it it became to me that like her brand of female nerdiness that it seemed like was being represented was like, I'm 
so naive and quirky in the same way in the same way that I can't do Zoe Deschanel. I like mm. even though in interviews and in real life, like she seems like an introspective and intelligent whatever person, the roles that she kind of kept taking were so like manic pixie dream girl and I couldn't handle it. And so Felicia yeah. Day became not not manic pixie dream girl, but like manic goofy nerd girl and I just kind of I never felt like she was given the opportunity to show a little bit more critical thinking and depth in her characters what uh, can you give me an example of a character from from that time period because I'm trying to think of of, I'm trying to put it on a timeline of when uh, I mean of things that I've seen her in. so I my memory may be poor but that's my recollection of her in the final season of Buffy Oh right, right. I forgot about Buffy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, 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 I would have to blame Joss. Well, Whedon yeah, for that, and that's honestly. why. That's why I'm I really, trying to I really talk would. through this. That I think I'm blaming the content that she was given. Um, yeah. Because I guess like I think that as a nerd, fair. you're either like cute and sheltered, or you're I, or you have tits, and like Felicia right. Day. Well, her, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was also her role written in Dr. Horrible, also by Joss Whedon. So I, I really think that Joss Whedon just. Uh, yeah. Is, so is, I'm blaming Joss Whedon. He falls yeah. into that trap when he writes uh, certain types of female characters. Right. He, he either aggressively writes the like strong female character that's also sort of tropey or he writes demure, uh, innocent, you know. So uh, I guess. Not born sexy yesterday, but born yesterday. Born yesterday, no <laughs> sexy. Character. Yeah, it's like, it's yeah, like yeah, the inherent yeah. feminist statement is that I'm, I left the sexy at the door. But I also left sort of like the ability to stand up for themselves at the door until, until yeah. the critical plot moment. And then that character always comes through in the Joss Whedon world. But I guess, I mean, I mm-hmm. guess it's kind of a willow. But I'm, I'm yeah. just not criticizing willow because I guess Willi- willow had more of a journey. Um, yes. And also, mm-hmm. I just loved Willow so much. But I guess, yeah, I guess yeah, I don't. It's the Willow character mm-hmm. I'm having a hard time with. And I, because I was introduced to Felicia Day via Joss Whedon characters, and because I, I've never separated Felicia Day as a human out from Felicia Day as, like, a character actor, because they're weirdly similar sometimes, yeah. that, I, I, that uh, I've never known how to feel about her. But I have made a conscious effort. To be like less. I will say that her that. character in um, in Dollhouse uh, was a lot different, and I do well. I I, I think that Dollhouse is what maybe one of the better things that Joss Whedon has written, and um, I think a lot of people would not agree he, with you. <laughs> I yeah. know because people are very very defensive of Firefly, and I get it. I liked it too, but. Uh, yeah, I, Dollhouse was just, I think it was a smarter show. I, and I just don't remember it. I know I watched it, but I don't really remember it. I, yeah, not a lot of people got into it, which I, I, I don't understand. Um, but uh, Felicia Day's character in that was a lot better written, and she had a lot more opportunity to, to show off uh, her acting skills in that show, which made me really interested in her. And that's what sort of made me look up other things that she was doing uh, in the first place, her, some of the, I, I, as a creator, I think she's a stronger person than when she's doing stuff Joss Whedon tells her to do. Yeah. You don't watch Supernatural, do you? Mm-mm. Okay. She, so she is a, a recurring <laughs> character on it. 
and some aspects of her character I love. But I think, like, because Supernatural has gotten to a point where it's very breaking the fourth wall, it kind mm-hmm. of brought her onto the show, like, already with a wink and a nod towards the audience that they knew their audience was already super into Felicia Day. So I, I almost felt like she didn't really earn her place on the show. Does that make sense? Why? Why do I feel that way? Like... Yeah, why why does she well why does she need to earn it? Uh, no, what I mean is like so I than, feel like she started like from the first time she was on the show, it was like and Felicia Day is here and like the character was already being treated like a fan favorite even though they never developed the character. Right, right. Which again sounds like a writer's problem I to agree me, with rather you. than a Felicia Day I'm just Day taking problem. you on a journey of all of the stupid reasons that I blame Felicia Day for things that are not Felicia Day's fault I know and I'm here to, to I, I'm only shoot them all down I know. and then I'm only talking <laughs> about that them Felicia because Day I is need, lovely I need this I need to be beaten yeah. down about this Felicia Day thing it, yeah I mean she's created a lot of great and interesting content uh, that we all get to enjoy. She is the reason Critical Role is uh, happening for all of us. She is the reason that we have other shows that also feature women like talking passionately about nerd stuff. There are shows on Geek and Sundry um, that all have uh, women as uh, equal voices, including on topics like comic books uh, and board games and uh, video games and she's uh, she's created a really really awesome company and it has a lot of really great content and uh, she's awesome alright so I need to do my <laughs> research and I need to pay respect where respect is due and I need to uh, teach myself to love that it's okay women. to blame just that it's okay to blame Joss Whedon <laughs> and it's also okay to love and accept women it is yeah. it's okay <laughs> thank you for going on this journey with me <sighs> I'm nervous about it about why why are you well, nervous I don't seem like too much of a jerk about Felicia Day you, the thing is I don't think you are because I know a lot of people men and women who have that knee-jerk reaction to to her it's because she plays I mean, dumb her character's I, playing I dumb feel yeah. like that's harmful for women mm, yeah because even when she's playing a genius character they still always shoehorn some aspect of her that's dumb mm-hmm. um, well isn't that also a common trope when you're talking about male nerds because she's always portrayed as like dumb in like a social aspect which is I mean, I'm thinking also bad writing, but I'm thinking of the Big Bang Theory where these genius men are being portrayed as socially, like, completely stupid uh, and entirely oblivious to the point where they wouldn't really be able to function in the world, uh, regardless of how smart they may be scientifically. So are you saying that they're treating her... Just like a nerd trope, not like a woman trope. I think that's the attempt that's being made, is to write her with the same socially awkward, uh, socially inept uh, traits that you're supposed to see in the male nerd, but ha ha, this time it's a girl. 
Um, which I think is also bad writing, but I, but I think that's what the intention is. Okay. I accept what you're saying. I don't like it though, but I, I, accept yeah, I don't it. like it either. Uh, I, I don't love it either, but, uh, um, I just think that's what they're maybe trying to do with some of these, uh, tropey characters that she plays, uh, particularly, um, when Joss Whedon does it. But the other thing is, like, is it a trope or is that her personality in real life? I mean, watch some of the things that she uh, hosts on Geek and Sundry. Like, I, I, she has a different presence. Okay, I'm just, I'm, I'm when asking. it's her created material, I would, I would just watch it, watch some of her things, and tell me what you think because I, I would, I get a different. Uh, vibe from her she also came out with a book recently I'd like to read I would really like to see what she um how her voice comes across in that because that's I think that's something that is reading her book yeah actually read Felicia Day's book okay I'll also watch an episode I would do that but I think by our homework episode we should read all of Felicia Day's book okay that's fine I'll do it. all of it all of it you don't read all of it I'm gonna get mad (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's fine. We're not friends anymore if I don't read yeah. all of this book. And then and mm-hmm. then maybe we can we being I can judge her more fairly. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate um, all of the like trailblazing stuff you're talking about. I have a lot of guilt. Yeah, I'm um, I mean, she's uh she's kind of a big deal and she she regardless of uh whether or not she does play into any tropes or not, she she created Geek and Sundry and um, these things uh, while being hated by a lot of people. So uh, I, I have to appreciate her for that alone. And uh, and and even if I do have any criticisms of things that she's done in the past, like I feel like I need to defend her a lot because of how the men in my life talk about yeah, her. Yeah, well, I, that's why I want to be yeah. on your side mm-hmm. of the table with this because part of me is afraid that I these are not actually my opinions and that I've just absorbed negativity from men in my life around her. And I honestly can't well, tell if I'm, like, being Stockholmed yeah. against Felicia Day, and I'm feeling very upset about uh, it. I, I, I think a lot of people are. I mean, Avalon, like, how many times in my life have I tried so hard to be the not like other girls girl to to appease dudes like we do that to each other and and it's it's a weird like it's a gross thing animalistic survival tactic to try to like survive in a pack of men yeah it's weird and it's gross and I'm and it takes effort to stop doing it and to embrace that it's okay to exist as a girl um, this makes me yeah. want to cry. Mm. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's true. Oh, I'm so happy. We're on this healthy journey together. It's really hard to break out of that. It's also, I feel like there's another layer of difficulty to break out of that as um, a queer person because it becomes <laughs> yeah. even easier to like jump on board the boys club to protect yourself when you can also kind of objectify women with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man, did I ever do yeah. that for so many years. Oh, my God. And we're in recovery. Um, I still I still yeah, do Yeah, I'm in recovery from that. So I, I really try to work on it. Um, but I don't think that I could be in recovery without you, truly. I could not do this without yeah. you. <laughs> not. No. Never. It would not happen. I would fall right back into mm-hmm. it. 
because other because otherwise uh, I still am like largely surrounded by men yeah. all the time. So I the subconscious pressure to do that, not saying that they are putting that on me necessarily, but the the, the group think pressure is still there. Yeah. Um, and you are my voice of reason yeah. and my um, my good luck charm. Oh, and you're my voice of reason <laughs> with Felicia Day. Yeah. <laughs> and nothing else. And nothing else. I don't give you no. anything else. Uh, yeah. Aww. Look, Avalon, I could talk about Critical Role, D&D, Felicia Day, uh, internalized misogyny <laughs> all day. I could. I really well, let's could. let's do that. But I have a job. No. Uh, did, no. I do. I have a real job that I have to go but, to. But, 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 but. The man is calling. I gotta, I gotta go work for the man, Gross. Avalon. Gross. I know. But do you know what? In the meantime, there's so many places that you can find our own podcast and you can engage with it along with all our many fans. <gasps> Where? Um, so glad that you asked, <laughs> Avalon. You can find us on uh, at Femsplained Podcast on Instagram, at Femsplained Cast on Twitter, Femsplained Podcast on Facebook, and at our blog, femsplainedpodcast.wordpress.com. Oh, wrong blog. And if you look Femsplained up on YouTube, you will see a video from the panel I just hosted this weekend called Dames and Games Behind the DM Screen. Oh. It was a great success. Unfortunately, the video cut off about 22 minutes in, which sucks, but the bit that we did get was great and uh, gives you a general idea of what we were talking about and you can find that there. Uh, I was meaning to ask you how long the panel went for. Like, It was supposed to be 45 minutes. It went for an hour and a half. Um, okay. It was really great. Um, there was a lot of engaging discussion. There was great feedback on both sides. Uh, the girls that paneled with me that came as guests were phenomenal. It was it was a really great time. Can you time. blog about it? Yes, I can. Okay. Cuz I want like to know I want to know that. the kinds of conversation pieces that happened after the 22 minute. I, I really Yeah, you know do. what? I might I might do that tonight cuz I really do want to like get it all I out of my system. I, I keep wanting to buzz about it. Mm -hmm. Plus, now that we're sort of applying to other cons passively about it, it would be a good thing to be able to link to on the application. I think that is a great idea. And now that I know that it gets so much positive feedback, I'm on board. Yep. Unconditionally positive feedback. <laughs> Unconditionally positive feedback, except on Reddit, yeah. because Reddit's a cesspool. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's exciting. I'm going to check out that Instagram and that Twitter and that Facebook and that blog. Um, but don't forget, listeners, that you can leave a review on iTunes for us and that that would be supportive and nice and really not that time consuming for you. Um, so we would appreciate it. Yeah. And where's the part in the script where it says all the places you can find us? Is that not part of it? Um, we can, you can find us on Stitcher, mm. iTunes, Google Play, and our favorite Pod Podbean. Beam. Podbean. Um, <laughs> all and right. you can email us femswingpodcast at gmail.com. All right. Nice. I have to go uh, just shave my head because my haircut is so <laughs> bad. Uh, I have to go shave my head right now. Uh, and I...